everything turn, turn, turn. There is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. BFF.FM Best Frequencies Forever Good morning. I'm your host, Keith Dixon, and thanks for tuning in. The name of the program is Turn, 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 and the idea being that to every song, there is a season. The purpose of this hour is to play songs that embody the current season. It's summertime, and we'll be playing songs from Panda Bear, Cass McCombs, and Jesse Ware. But first, we'll be starting with a song from an album that the artist described as being a love letter dedicated to those cities that I cannot get rid of. After 2016 Singing Saw, a country-tinged album full of pleasing pastoral tones and naturalistic lyrics, Kevin Morby's muse would turn municipal on 2017's City Music. Our featured song is the title track and the six-and-a-half-minute linchpin at the center of the album. To me, the song feels and sounds like a city coming alive, awakening from a dusky dream to watch as its inhabitants flood into its streets, only for them to recede by day's end, an ode to the daily metropolitan ebb and flow. But Morby leaves a clue about the context of the song on the track that precedes it on the album, a spoken word reading of a passage from Flannery O'Connor's The Violent Bear. It seems as though the song is in fact about a journey into the heart of the city, as the sun is dipping below the cityscape and the downtown lights are aglow, flickering on like embers in the night. With this context, the song invokes a feeling of being on a train that slowly gains steam as it speeds towards the city, only to pull the brakes as it glides into the downtown station. Either way, it is music for the city, composed to the heartbeat of our modern urban existence. The lyrics are minimal, a cycled mantra of sorts, consisting of six four-line verses that all share the first two lines, but have variations on the latter two lines. In an interview with NPR, Morby had this to say about the process of writing the song. Quote, I first wrote this song on the banjo, my initial intent for it to be an instrumental piece, many years ago. Then, one day at band practice, I started playing it on my guitar while we were getting set up and the band jumped in, and we developed it together. I had always loved it and wanted to use it for something, and was happy that it found a home on this record. We gave it a real Marquee Moon makeover with my guitarist Meg Duffy's guitarmonies. I wanted the lyrics to be as simple as possible, for the music to convey the real feeling and the lyrics to only act as a sort of guide. To me, the music represents what it feels like to walk through a photogenic part of the city alone, lost in your own world while surrounded by many. I call this city music, end quote. And without further ado, this is city music.
that city music Oh, that city sound
that city music Oh, that city sounds Oh, that city music Oh, it's coming round
forever. Up next, we'll be playing a song from a San Francisco band that released a seminal 90s power pop album that had three top 10 hits and another two that cracked the top 30, eventually going six times platinum. Which album might this be? Well, it's Third Eye Blind's 1997 eponymous debut album. If you're a fan, great, no need to sell you on this one. If you're not, I ask that before you jump to any conclusions and write this segment off, just hear me out. Sure, Third Eye Blind was one of the many, to borrow a term, bubble grunge acts that burst onto the airwaves in the wake of Nirvana's sudden implosion and race to cash in on that post-Seattle sound. And yes, their debut single, Semi-Charmed Life, has been played into the ground for those of us who were around when it was released. Though, one must remember that beneath its bright and shiny veneer is a dark tale about a couple's lives falling into ruins due to their crystal meth addictions. Myself, I have always been a fan of Third Eye Blind's first two albums, but have admittedly looked at them at times, unfairly, as a guilty pleasure. But what I didn't know and learned upon researching for this show is that a whole new generation of listeners have embraced their music, especially those in the punk and emo revival scenes. As writer Stephen Hyden explains, quote, When I've interviewed members of some of the best contemporary rock bands, including Modern Baseball, Pine Grove, The Hotelier, and Car Seat Headrest, they express great affection for the bubble grunge bands of the 90s, in part because they were too young to worry about all the credibility baggage that older listeners and music writers got hung up on. Instead, they appreciate what made those bands good, their hooks, their shiny guitars, and their anthemic accessibility. All three attributes have helped to keep Third Eye Blind going almost two decades after their debut, end quote. Okay, so public opinion doesn't sway you. That's fine. But the source material should, and Haydn makes a solid point about the walls we put up around and the stigmas we attach to certain bands. Granted, Third Eye Blind is inescapably associated with that generic 90s alt-rock sound, with their blockbuster debut being a vehicle for delivering it directly into the musical zeitgeist. But before you dismiss their music, it is important to remember that their success was relying on the fact that their songs were chock full of catchy riffs, infectious melodies, and deep and personal lyrics. If anything, it's a reminder to go back and reevaluate decisions that might have been made by way of the cultural collective. And you never know, you might just find a gem that had been discarded. This is Burning Man.
BFF.FM. Best frequencies forever. Up next, we'll be featuring a song from a band that formed in 1978, but would not find mainstream success until their breakthrough album was released in 1994. After three albums that shifted from folk rock to gothic post-punk to acid house, Pulp would finally find their footing when they released the glossy and shiny Britpop classic, His and Hers. Frontman Jarvis Cocker would come into his own as a lyricist with his acerbic tales about sex, voyeurism, more sex, and social class. As Stephen Thomas Erlewine would write for all music, quote, His and Hers was the album that established their musical and lyrical obsession, and in turn, the album where the world at large became acquainted with their glassy, tightly wound synth pop and lead singer Jarvis Cocker's impeccably barbed wit. This was a sound that was carefully thought out, pieced together from old glam and post-punk records, assembled in so that it had the immediacy and hooks of pop balanced by an artful obsession with moody, dark textures. It was a sound that perfectly fit the subject at hand. It was filled with contradictions. It was sensual yet intellectual, cheap yet sophisticated, retro yet modern, with each seeming paradox giving the music weight instead of weighing it down, end quote. Our featured song is admittedly an offbeat choice from this album. There are certainly popular songs that could have been chosen. But our song perfectly encapsulates the time of year that we are currently in as summer gently blends into autumn. As Cocker's lyrics put it, quote, we could hear the leaves curling and turning brown on the trees, and the birds deciding where to go for winter, and the whole sound, the whole sound of summer packing its bags and preparing to leave town, quote. The song is a seven minute spoken word narrative about what seems to be two young adults spending a late summer's day together where they play down by a stream, then head to different day parties, possibly make love and finally go night swimming. Cocker would have this to say about the song, quote, when you get the first hot day of the year, I always get these pictures in my head. You think of all the things that happen in summer, swimming in lakes and building a treehouse, and you get quite excited. But then you know that you're not going to do all those things. You're probably just going to end up working like you normally do. But it would be good just to have one summer that was like that one time. And so I wanted to capture that feeling of those summers that seem to go on forever. And you can do lots of things, end quote. Our featured song is about the loss of innocence or childhood when teenagers become young adults. The imagery of the changing of the seasons is used to parallel and help reinforce this theme. Pulp blog Freaks, Misshapes, Weeds had this to say about the song. Quote, we're caught between the innocence and carelessness of childhood and the nostalgia and awareness of consequences that come with adulthood. There's a tension between the blissful tranquility of laying in the sun and daydreaming and the self-consciousness born from that freedom to think. We're slipping into a slower pace, but under the soothing pastorality, there's an intense consciousness that makes the memory stronger, more vivid, more important. This is David's Last Summer. We made our way slowly down the path that led to the stream. Swaying slightly. Drunk on the sun, I suppose. It was a real summer's day. The air humming with heat. Whilst the trees beckoned us into their cool green shade. And when we reached the stream, Put a bottle of cider into the water to chill. Both of us knowing that we'd drink it long before it had a chance. 
out to the park at midnight one last time, past the abandoned glass house to full of dying palms, 
past the bandstand and down to the boating lake. And we swam in the moonlight for what seemed like hours until we couldn't swim anymore.
Friends are doing it. All your 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 friends are doing it. Friends are doing it. Best frequencies forever. We'll be closing out the program with a pair of songs. Unfortunately, I ran out of time to write my last segment, but I nonetheless wanted to post this episode, so I ask for your forgiveness. Up first is the fragile and emotive Freeze the Saints from Stephen Malcolm's 2005 album, Face the Truth. It is an absolutely beautiful song that was described as being the warm-hued air of sunset nostalgia by writer Sam Eubel. In typical Malcolmist fashion, the lyrics are cryptic, though poetic. And lastly, we'll be closing out the season with 1962's Apropos, Sealed with a Kiss by Bobby Vinton. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in.
roots of the earth and the mountains So learn to sing along and languish here Help me languish here But I 